Tonight I'll read one verse found in the book of Proverbs, the 29th chapter, and I'll read verse 25. It says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. If we can take to heart the deep meaning of this verse and apply it, uh, we will certainly avoid unnecessary difficulties and problems and be able to enjoy God's providential care and avail ourselves of his blessings. When it says here, the fear of man, it is referencing that aspect of us that is concerned about what others think of us. Our need for their approval, for their acceptance. The writer, likely Solomon, considered this to, to be a trap. Uh, scholars look at this verse and they say that trap is sprung by our own moral cowardice. So the fear of man in this context is something that can cause us to be misguided. It can make us take actions that are wrong and lead us to failure and often regret. Eleanor Roosevelt is credited with saying, you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. So again, the verse says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So within that verse, it tells us there's a better way. We can put our trust in the Lord and we shall be safe. Shall be safe literally means he will set us on high. This is then saying that God can when we put our trust in him, put us above the danger and the difficulty on high. Others interpret that to mean beyond the, the reach of man. Well, what a promise that is, especially when we consider all the challenges that we face in this life. And while this may sound pretty easy, we can ourselves find it to be a challenge to really, truly, and completely put our trust in God. Corey Tinboom said, to never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. 
Yes, amen. That's great spiritual advice. But now we need to figure out how how do we keep our hands off of our own problems? How do we then not try to influence the future without the direction and the guidance that God would have for us? In Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27, we have the account where the Lord departed from Capernaum with his disciples in a boat to cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 24 says on that journey, there arose a a great tempest in the sea. The Sea of Galilee is 680 feet below sea level. Uh, Above it, there are foothills, some of them on the east side rising up to a couple of thousand feet. And beyond that, to the north, uh, you have Mount Hermon, 9,200 feet. And winds come off uh, the mountains, and they whip down onto the Sea of Galilee, which is uh, really a lake, and for that matter, not that deep of a lake. And so when those cold winds hit the warm waters, it kicks up storms that can cause waves to be 10, even 20 feet high. And this is what happened in this account. Uh, Suddenly, this storm uh, came upon them. Uh, The boat was filling with water. And as they uh, foundered, Jesus was there in the boat asleep. He was sleeping right through the uh, the noise of the storm, the the beating of the water against the vessel, uh, certainly the shouts of the men who would have been uh, taking down the, the mast so it didn't get ripped apart and trying to secure the vessel, maybe even getting sprayed with some water. But, but he didn't have a problem. He, he just slept right through it. Now we know at least four of the disciples were fishermen. They fished on the Sea of Galilee. They knew the lake. They no doubt understood how to control a boat, even in in rough waters. But it is apparent that when they were faced with all of this, that they were really trusting in themselves. And they got to the point that they had exhausted all they knew to do. And finally, as a a last option, well, we better wake up the Lord. I think uh, we can all kind of identify with that. How many times have, uh, at the end of it, uh, oh yes, maybe I should pray. Looking for that important document or my car keys or something else that I've lost and I've done everything I can do. Well, maybe I should pray. Uh, the Lord knows where they are and and he's so uh, good to help us when we do that. But they were scared. They thought for sure this was it. They woke up the Lord. Lord, save us. We perish. 
It's interesting to consider the Lord's actions. Certainly he would have been exhausted from the Sermon on the Mount, the great multitudes following him, everything that was going on. But he didn't wake up startled. Wow, I can't believe I was sleeping through that. We're, we're in a lot of trouble here. No, that, that, that wasn't the problem uh, that the Lord noticed at all. Uh, the first thing that, in, in fact, the Lord addressed was the issue of their trust. He said, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? They had the Lord right there in the boat with them. You think about it. They didn't even need to wake him up. They could have thought, well, if the Lord's not concerned about this, we shouldn't be concerned about it either. You see, the the Lord was able to just peacefully sleep in that environment because his trust was in his heavenly father and in his care and love that he knew that he had and in his plan. I think just to help them out a bit, he it says he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. Psalm 121.4 says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Our, our Lord's trust was in his heavenly Father and his divine promise of his protection. Now, to be sure, there have been many Christians throughout the ages who have trusted in God unto the death. However, they found eternal reward being safe to them was making heaven their home. So we too can be safe as we trust God in his promises. And we find that in the case of what happened here, there were two disciples that a few years later after this incident uh, in the boat, again would have an opportunity on where they put their trust. In Acts chapter 12, one of them, James the brother of John, was captured by Herod Agrippa. This would be the grandson of Herod the Great. I'm sure that as he was apprehended and he knew that he was on his way to be executed. He was praying and trusting in his God. The same God who had asked him, are you able to drink from the cup that I drink from? And he said, yes, I'm able. Well, the Lord had him drink from that cup. And he was executed with a sword. Well, Herod saw that it pleased the people so much he had Peter captured. And he had planned then to, immediately following the Passover, have him executed in the same manner because he, again, saw that it pleased the people. He was taking no chances. He had 16 guards make sure that uh, Peter could not escape. Verse 5 in chapter 12 tells us that 
prayer was made without ceasing of the church for Peter. Prayer works. But we find in this account a different Peter than the one who had been in the boat with the Lord some five years before that. His trust now was in God. See, before, it was the fear of man. The fear of man caused Peter to deny the Lord three times. But in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, we can find that now Peter's trust was in God. Verse 6 tells us that just before that scheduled execution, it says when Herod was about to take him out the same night, Peter was doing what? He was sleeping. Sleeping in chains between two armed men. See, his trust was now firmly in God. He was no different than his Lord was on the Sea of Galilee. My trust is in God. I, I don't have to worry about this situation. It's in the Lord's hands. It's pretty firm. Verse 7 says that a great light was seen shining in the room. Have you ever been really asleep and somebody comes into the room and turns on the light? They usually wake you right up. Well, this says it was a great light. I think it was a glorious light. It was a light beyond what any of our lights would do here. It was a light from heaven. It shined into that place. Didn't wake Peter up. It says, and an angel of the Lord came to Peter, touching him on his side so that he came out of his sleep. An angel had to go there and kind of poke him on his side. Wake up. You see, that's somebody who was trusting in God. It was secure in that trust. Peter would go on in the situation himself to experience deliverance. Deliverance from that execution. Deliverance from that prison. About 20 years ago, Radik and I, after a long trip, uh, arrived in Timisoara, Romania. We remember we, we were very tired, and they have a customs. At least they did at that time. That was a pretty painful and sometimes long, and that time it was process to get through. And when we finally did get out, it I believe it was December. It was very cold, and there were about thirty. Uh, Sunday school kids waiting out there for a long time to sing the Apostolic Faith Welcome Song to us, believe in English. And so we felt so badly for them. We thought, well, many of these kids have never even been to a big city. They were from the country. Timishwar is about 500,000 people. And so we thought, well, let's take them to the McDonald's and get them a Happy Meal. It, It was less than a dollar. And so we did. We uh, had them take us to the middle of town, and we had all those Sunday school kids there, and they all had a happy meal, and we were happy for them. And uh, But we were tired when we were finally able to leave. After a few pictures, we uh, left about a 20, 30-minute drive to the uh, apartment where we stayed. 
And as we arrived there, uh, Radika's aunt, who was four stories up, was yelling something down. But as I was getting out of the car I was in, I, I couldn't find my briefcase. And I started getting very nervous about that. I didn't have my briefcase. And I told the driver somehow, he didn't speak any English, that we needed to go back. And he understood what I was saying. He could see I was looking for something. And so we took right back off and drove 25, 30 minutes back to that McDonald's. Well, we, we found out later what happened was there was a young man, a worker there, that saw my briefcase, and he uh, opened it just a little bit, and when he did that, my passport in there kind of opened up, and there was a post-it note that I had placed in there maybe three years before that with a number on it. And that young man recognized that number. He said, that's Dora. She lives at the apartments where I live. Uh, this must be the Americans that come here sometimes. So he closed it and he went and he gave it to his manager. And so when I arrived there, I was easily able to describe what was in the briefcase and they smiled and they gave it to me. They, they wouldn't accept any reward or anything, not a penny. And uh, others told me afterwards, if the news stations would have found out, they would have come and I would have been on the news because they'd never heard of such a thing. That, that briefcase had our passports, it had my wallet, uh, it had an envelope of money that I was supposed to give to somebody after I arrived there. Uh, it had all my valuables uh, were in that uh, briefcase. Well, that afternoon after we got back to the apartment, I had some uh, meetings with the leadership there in Romania. And they were very discouraged. In fact, they they were in tears. They were sure uh, the organization that essentially had monopolized religious organizations working there was going to seize our properties and end the apostolic faith work in Romania. They were positive. It, it was probably going to happen the next day. And so you can imagine I, I allowed that to get me kind of worked up. I didn't get any sleep, and it wasn't because of jet lag. I mulled that over all night. And the next day, uh, we had our devotions, and we were praying there in the living room of that apartment. And, you know, it's like the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, John, if you can leave all of your valuables in the middle of this city, and I can watch out over them for you. I can look out for the work here in Romania. You see, that's the difference between the fear of man and putting your trust in God. The fear of man, it brings a trap. It brings you difficulties. It brings you problems. I can tell you that there have been many difficulties, many problems, many things since that time. But one thing, I've never worried about it. No, the, the Lord taught me right there that that work belongs to him and I can trust him to take care of that work. And that's the way it needs to be for you and me when it comes to this gospel. Uh, the fear of man 
Well, that can cause us to maybe not be willing to pray out when we gather around the the altar or, or really cry out to God, hey, what will people think of me? What what will I look like? Will I be a, 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 a spectacle here if if I begin to cry a lot and if the Lord begins to bless me, how's it going to be? I'd prefer that he maybe gave me that experience over in the corner there very quietly. Well, what's it going to be if it, the power really comes down on me? How, how's that? You see, the, the fear of man can, can really hinder and even prevent the Lord from being able to bless us. But yet when we put our trust in God, we're safe from that. He can put us above that. He can put us in that place where we can even more clearly hear his voice and be able to receive his blessing. So we really want to get the point of this verse and, and understand that we, we don't have to be captive to what others might think. We need to put our trust in God, believe in his promises, and avail ourselves of them and realize that he is going to want to work on our behalf. And just like I found that time there in Romania, he, he is well able to take care of those things that he has promised to you and me. Will you put your trust in him tonight? We're going to have an opportunity to do just that. The song's 480 and the altars of prayer are open.